So good. Good morning, church. Good morning, dear. Good morning. Week six. Yes. Six of six. You made it. Hallelujah. <laughs> you know what else? I was looking, uh, I was actually looking on your phone. Oh. Is that creepy? No, I was, no. Um, it just popped up. You were there with me. And, you know, sometimes it sort of shows you a little bit of a... Memory. Yeah, a memory kind of... Sends you a memory. A slideshow, memory thing. And it was a year ago this weekend that everything shut down. We moved church into my living room and kind of hunkered down. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you for those of you for uh, the course of this crazy season that we've all been in. Thank you for persevering. Thank you for being here this morning, church. God bless you. Awesome to have you. We're thrilled. You are more than welcome. It's been our honor. It's absolutely been our privilege. Wouldn't, uh, wouldn't change a thing. Hope that we're just getting back into the groove, back into normal. I hope this has blessed your marriages. I hope if you're single, you're ready to get married. If you're engaged, maybe you're sort of like, we need to rethink a couple of things. Good on you. Now's the time. Listen, maybe you're like, I just want to get married. I just think all my problems will go away. They will not go away. You think all your problems go away and you get married. You need to talk to someone who's married, okay? You need to like know what you're getting into. But there's actually something more miserable than being single, and it's being married to the wrong person. And so just... just Hang out for God's perfect will and perfect timing. And those of you that have walked the aisle, stay faithful and remain engaged in that place of allowing God to use your marriage, your life, the blending of your family together for His honor and for His glory. He is a compassionate, gracious, wonderful, loving, merciful God. Amen. Do you know that about our God? Amen. So grab your booklets with me. Grab your Bibles. If you need any of those, our ushers would be happy to serve you. If you're watching online, welcome. God bless you. We're in our final grand finale episode of Marriage Vows. Started with A, affection. It's a good place to start. And then got into the encouragement of the eval and the interruptions of the I-Val. A-E-I-O is observant to become more servant-hearted in our marriage. These are all online. Um, understanding, having an understanding heart just sort of seemed to pop out uh, as a necessary component. And so that certainly made up for us. Uh, the essential you vow and uh, A E I O U, and sometimes why? Why is hard because it's not always why. Why is conditional. And so, what we've done is we've come up with something in scripture that also would pertain to being very conditional. And you have to be able to know when to use it and when not to use it, just like a why vow. And so, we have a story here that I think helps uh, to illustrate that. 
So in your Bibles or in your booklets, either way, whatever works, turn to John chapter 13. And I love this passage because it sets us up for Holy Week. I can't believe, dear, it's Palm Sunday next weekend. I can't wait for next weekend. Palm Sunday, Holy Week, and then we've got Good Friday and Easter and... You can't wait because you're not going to be up here. Is that really what you meant? I'm trying to figure out how to include you in a Palm Sunday message. This was the agreement. All in favor? (laughs) Okay, uh, and then a couple other places I'd love for you to find uh, pertaining to the outline there. Just so you're ready, we're going to turn also to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and then we're going to wrap up our time in Mark chapter 10. So throw something into those passages. But dear, do you mind reading? No. Why don't you kick us off and start at least there in John chapter 13, and we'll look at the, the story of Jesus washing the disciples' feet um, and how he gets to Peter, and there's a little bit of a pushback from Peter, and yet ultimately uh, a yes, mm-hmm. which sets up our final vow. John 13, verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil, having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing the Father, had given all things into his hands, that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel, and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Oh, you want me to? (laughs) I was so enjoying you reading. You want me to read? (laughs) Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. That is so true. Yes. Just like parentheses for a second, because even in our marriage, we thought we knew what we were signing up for. Oh, contraire, did we know? <laughs> and isn't this true? Jesus is like, what I'm doing, you don't really get it right now. But you'll know after this. And I think that is so true. It's true even 32 years into it. And how much will we know even more when our faith is made sight? But Peter resists because he doesn't understand. Picking up where we left off with the U-Vow. And says, verse 8, you will never wash my feet. There's some guys here today that might feel that way towards... It's, it's hard sometimes for guys to be on the receiving end, to be needy. You will never wash my feet. Jesus said, if I don't wash you, you have no part of me. That's... that that. That's a word there for us this morning about humility. You'll never get there. 
until you humble yourself. It's right where we left off last weekend, right? Were you here? Do you remember? This is right where we were. You'll never wash my feet, Lord. This is so improper. That is so backwards. That's, that's reversal. No, no, you won't. If you don't let me, you will have no part of me. And Simon Peter said, Lord, then not my feet only, but my hands and my head. And Jesus said, he who's bathed needs only to wash his feet and is completely clean. You're clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. Therefore, he said, you're not all clean. So when he washed their feet and taken his garments, he sat down again and said to them, do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. And if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. What a model for marriage. There isn't anything, including leading this church, ministry, school, there isn't anything that has taught us true servanthood more than marriage. You ought to also wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, come on, church, say it. Come on. Blessed are you if you do. So there's the big if. There's the big condition. There's the big sometimes why. Not always. It's a conditional vow. Fill it in. A-E-I-O-U and sometimes why. So the why vow. Having conditions should stand for yes. It's not always yes. In fact, it's sometimes no. But it's realizing that when he says no, he's really saying yes. His no is really a yes for the greater good. Maybe no to your will. Maybe no to your wants. Maybe no to your greeds. Never no to your need. But a greater yes. The yes is conditional like the Y vow, A-E-I-O-U, and sometimes, sometimes Y, sometimes yes, fill this in, conditions being the yes always affirms a yielding to Yahweh. A yielding to Yahweh. That's what's happening in Peter's heart. Even that he didn't get it. Even that he didn't fully understand it. So turn with us to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 is this amazing passage that uses this conditional yes in a way that is absolutely mind-blowing. I want you to see it. It is amazing how Paul describes it. What he's really doing here is he's having to sort of explain even to the point of defending his position as he writes to the church at Corinth. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm going to start in verse 15. You got it? Say got it. Everybody there? Okay. And if this confidence, I intended to come to you before that you might have a second benefit. In other words, he's like, I wanted to come. I really did. Are you, are you like doubting my intentions? I really wanted to be there for you. To pass by way of you to Macedonia, to come again from Macedonia to you and be helped by you on my way to Judea. He's like, I wanted to be there. I got jammed up. 
How many times in your marriage are you sort of feeling like, that was my intention, I really wanted to follow through with that and see that outcome really, you know, just sort of like set up, teed up, it was amazing, but man, did I shank it. Man, was that a slice. Man, he's like, I wanted to be there. Don't doubt my intentions, I just wasn't able to make it. Therefore, look at verse 17, when I was planning this, did I do it lightly? Do you think my intentions were half-hearted? Or there wasn't really any, any deed behind the words? It was just words, hollow words only? All applying and fitting very well to marriage, right? He goes, do you think that I did it lightly? Or the things that I planned, do I plan according to the flesh? Do you? Do I? Do we? Paul's asking, because a lot of times we do, huh? That with me there should be yes, yes, and no, no, but as God is faithful, our word to you was not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me and, and, and Silvanus, Silas, and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him was yes. In him was yes. There's the condition. Not always yes. In him, yes. He goes on. Look what he says, verse 20. For all the promises. How many, church? All. all. We had a couple that uh, flew up from Cabo last night. Flew up from Cabo for church. I actually have some families that think Carlsbad is too far to drive. They flew up from Cabo. Both got saved here. And they're like, does the yes really mean yes? Is it really? They're like so young, so in love with Jesus, so in love with what he's doing in their lives and in their marriages. They're like this. They're like, they're like sponges. Cabo sponge. I've never been to Cabo. But they're just, just like young sponges they're like all the promises all all the promises of god in him there's the condition in him not in bob not in america not in trump not in biden not in newsom never in pelosi <laughs> in him who are you looking to in him are yes and in him are amen to the glory of god through us that'll preach but i'd love to hear from you give us some thoughts on what you think of this whole thing this 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 whole idea of the yes of God, the yes and amen of God being in our corner. Well, I think that the yes, saying yes to the things of God, saying yes to the promises of God is, is a process and you grow in it. And I think if you're a Christian, there was an instant, there was one moment when you got saved. 
It happened instantaneously when you made that decision to accept the Lord. But that is then followed by a lifetime process of sanctification. Um, so daily, hopefully daily, you're being transformed um, more and more into the image of Christ. So every day you're making decisions, you're saying yes to the things of God, no to the things of the world, more and more, and becoming less you, more Christ. And if marriage is an earthly expression of our relationship with the Lord, then there's a moment, there's an instant when you to become one in the eyes of God. It's instantaneous to become one. But that's then followed by a lifetime of transformation. Hopefully every day you're becoming less two and more one in Christ. And as each of you fulfills your biblical role, you say yes to the role that God has ordained for marriage, which is a tough yes. Because if you boil it down, you're looking at women who are supposed to respect and submit and men who are supposed to lay down their lives. These are big things and not easy to say yes to on a regular basis. But if you're willing to do that, then your marriage becomes more and more of a blessing, more and more what God promised that marriage could provide. And sometimes it's only one in the marriage that's fulfilling that godly role. But you're still blessed for your obedience because the thing that totally transformed the way I looked at marriage was that it's not about him, it's not about her, it's about him. And that's the role that I'm living out and who I'm living it out for. Um, Colossians 3, as unto the Lord and not to men, for from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. You'll never experience all the blessings that God has for you, single or married, unless you're saying yes to the things of the Lord. So fill this in. Here you go. God's heart towards the bride is always affirming and agreeing. It's yes and amen. There's the big yes that Bond just described. There's the yes when you got saved. And then there's a bunch of yeses that follow. That's the sanctification. And maybe we're more into the big yes than the little yeses, but the little yeses add up to be as big as the big yes. Maybe we're into the salvation, but not into the serving. Because here he is on his knees washing the disciples' feet, even the feet of his betrayer and denier. We're into the big washing. We're into the big, oh Lord, wash me of my sins. But the little washings along the way, and yet God towards us is always affirming that, is always agreeing with that. So it's important for us not to be like Peter. It's important for us to learn from Peter. Fill this in. It's important that we're not saying no. He says no. He says, never, Lord, never will you. Listen, it's important that we're not saying no or not now. Not now, Lord. Maybe later, you know, I just like not. Or maybe. Don't be saying no or not now or maybe to his Yes. He's yes. He's, he's like, yes. Let's do this. Come on, gang. You are the end time saints. You're the ones ushering in the return of Jesus. Don't be saying no. Don't be saying not now, doesn't fit, maybe later. Say yes. Yes to these things. Little and big. You know, it's interesting. He says yes, yes. Because when we got married, we said yes to each other. When you got married, you said yes to each other. Will you take this woman to be? Yes. 
You were saying, yes. You had no idea. No idea. You had no idea what the yes meant. Thought you knew. You knew what you wanted the yes to mean. But marriage means a lot more. A lot of yeses that followed the yes. Yes? Yes. So how do you, let's get practical. How, how does this yes and amen of the Lord, that all of his promises are for your good, how does that get tapped into? Fill this in. These promises, that's what we're looking at. These promises are partnered through the power of prayer. These promises are cashed in on. They are partnered. They, they, you become the recipient through the power of prayer. As you're filling that in, let me just give you a quote. Eugene Peterson, who I love. Peterson said this, and I quote, God cannot fit into our plans. Listen. God cannot fit into our plans. We must fit into His. We can't use God. God is not a tool. He's not an appliance. He's not a credit card. Holy is the word that sets God apart. And above our attempts to enlist Him into our wish fulfillment fantasies or our utopian schemes for making our mark in the world, holy Holy means that God is alive on God's terms. Alive in a way that exceeds our experience and imagination. Holy refers to life burning with an intense purity that transforms everything it touches into itself. Wow, that's what he's wanting to do. He's wanting just to fully consume us into his holiness, into his glory. And that's tapped in through this lifeline of prayer. Corey Ten Boom said, she asked a great question. Corey Ten Boom, if you don't know who that is, read about her life. Single, I believe. Um, she asked this, is prayer your steering wheel or is prayer your spare tire? Wow. Wow. Is it what gets you where you're going or is it buried in the trunk under a bunch of your other stuff, right? And so, wow, Bon, we're on to something I think that's absolutely clutch and necessary for us to see that as Peter was saying yes, Jesus was making it very clear that even in his yes, he wasn't going to fully understand it until later. And here we have that same opportunity not to dig in our heels, not to resist, not to be stubborn, but to, through this partnership, allow him to have his way. And that's how we should pray. That's what we mean when we pray. Let's, let's talk about it. Just some four closing observations. When you say amen, what are you saying? Amen means let it be, God. Let it be so. Amen doesn't mean we're done. 
Amen doesn't mean lunch. Amen means have your way. You know what amen means? Available. I'm available for you to have your way. Don't be praying without saying amen. And don't be praying without saying in Jesus' name. Don't be praying without saying, Lord, make even this time of prayer a time where you are fashioning my heart, making me and molding me into what you desire for me to be, as, as Peterson says. Don't let it be like a, a heavenly slot machine or, a, or, or vending machine or, or cosmic Santa Claus. No, let him have his way in your heart. Four closing observations. We'll try and wrap this thing up, right? With how uh, we think it applies. Number one. Realized only in Jesus. Yeah, all of these yes and amen promises are realized only in Jesus. His Spirit, His seal. Isn't that great in 2 Corinthians? It goes on and says, He has sealed us, given us His Spirit as a guarantee. He's established us. He's anointed us. And can I just say in this cancel culture... Those things of Jesus Christ will never be canceled. Amen. He'll never be canceled out, church. Hallelujah. Amen for that. But it's realized only in Jesus, these things. You know that verse, uh, Jeremiah 29? You know that one, right? Listen, if you're new and you've never heard Jeremiah 29, you need to learn that one quick. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Right? Don't you love that verse? It's a life verse for a lot of us. I know the thoughts. I know the plans I have for you. Not to harm you, to bless you with a future and a hope. Now think about that verse just for a second with me. Because the fact that he's starting the verse, the famous verse, the verse that we love. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. Let me just throw this out. When he says, I know the plans, what is that indicating? You don't know the plans. He knows the plans that he has for you. And I think, I, I really think, look up here, just for a sec. Look, I think he is on the edge of the balcony of heaven, just looking down saying, ask me, ask me, ask me. Come on, come on, come on, just ask me. Come on, I want to so bless you with my plans. And we won't when we think we already know. I know, I know, I know, I know. I know, I got this. That's spare tire Christianity. And these things that he has for you are only realized in Christ. Secondly, your yes will be tested. Oh, yes, it will. Yes, your yes will be tested. You got a thought? I got a story. Okay. Last, I will, last one. I will brace myself. <laughs> I don't know if you can tell, but we're opposites. Um, Bob likes change. He likes variety. He likes spicy food. He likes adventure, travel, excitement. I like boring, routine, bland food. I'm a homebody, and I like to be safe. 
so when I believed that it was God's will for us to get married, I knew I was saying yes to something outside my comfort zone. I was saying yes to wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. And your God was already my God. That was number one on the list. But when we were dating, he had an MBA in economics. He was working in a bank. We get married and he's in ministry. So already, I'm way outside my plans and my comfort zone. Um, and right when I thought it was time for us to start a family, he got a job offer in the Middle East um, that he was really excited about. He got job offers on the East Coast. He was traveling all the time. And um, that was the kind of adventure that he wanted, whereas I wanted a picket fence, and I wanted it here in San Diego. Um, but I said to him, if you're going to be traveling all over, please don't pick me up and put me down somewhere where I don't know anyone. At least leave me here where I have friends and family. And so he did say yes to that. Now, when, uh, when Bob first moved to San Diego from the East Coast, we lived, he lived in OB. My parents gave him a housewarming gift of a little tiny ficus tree. And uh, when he moved from his bachelor pad to the apartment that we were going to live in together after the wedding, the tree did not like the move, much like his future wife. And um, every Lee dropped off that tree, dead as could be. He stuck it behind the building. Um, and then we got married, and I think the leaves began to fall quickly from the marriage tree. Um, it was starting to look like that little ficus. And, uh, but one day we decided to work together in our little garden, and while we were working out there, Bob pulled out that little pot with the dead tree, I think with the plan to throw it away, and we noticed that it was getting tiny little leaves all over the branches. So we said, well, let's keep it, and we put it in a pot by the front door and learned how to take care of it, just as we were learning how to take care of our marriage. And uh, we moved that pot every time we moved from house to house many times, put it by the front door, tree grew bigger and bigger, um, but not long after we moved to the home that we still live in, 23 years ago, um, we went on a date to a movie, and we watched the movie Family Man. I don't know if you remember that movie, but um, we watched that movie, and I could not stop crying. Started crying in the movie, could not stop crying. It was like this out-of-body thing. So he doesn't want to take me to pick up the kids because I can't stop crying. And they were driving around, and he's saying, what is wrong? What, what can I do? And I said, I just want you to sell tires for a living. <laughs> now, if, if you've seen the movie, it makes sense. If you haven't, you need to watch it. We watch it a lot. I cry every time. Um, he said, you know, I don't think I could sell tires for a living. I really don't know anything about tires. And I said, I, know, I knew that he couldn't. Uh, his, his calling was obvious. And at that point, we had both said yes, and we, were, we had started out at this church, and I said, well, what we could do is could we plant a tree and watch it grow? So we went home, and what did my husband tree? He took that, do, he took that tree out of the pot, and he planted it in our yard, and he said, you can watch it grow. Gets me every time. Um, I knew that that was him loving me like Christ loved the church. I knew that that was him laying down his life for me, for this church too. Um, and so as our kids grew, as our marriage grew, that tree grew until it towered over our home and the roots began to lift the foundation. <laughs> that is how big 
um, and strong that tree became. And if you say yes to the Lord, whether you're single or married, if you say yes to his will for your marriage, for your life, his will found in his word, the plans that he has for you, then you'll be like that tree. Um, and Jeremiah describes it, Jeremiah 17. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green, will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. And that's the tree that I want to be. And I know right now you might be picturing a giant ficus tree towering over our home, but the truth is it grew so big and its roots grew so rampant we had to cut it down. <laughs> but it had served its purpose because as the tree grew, the roots of our marriage grew. As we surrendered to self, saying yes to the will of God, no to other things, our roots grew deep and together and wrapped around the rock, and our foundation was secure. Amen. Amen. Hey, fill this in. Number three, purpose is greater than person. The purpose is greater than the person. I know you're like, what? Because you feel as you're writing it, that's a knock on your mate. It's not a knock on your mate. In fact, your mate will benefit greatly when you put the purpose before the person. Your marriage represents something far greater than just the two of you. And we have a generation right now that's watching. They're watching and wondering what commitment looks like. And if you hang it up, Listen, we got to be modeling the joy of Jesus even in difficult times. The journey of the marriage. The purpose of it all, allowing Him to shine through our lives. And I think we've seen that through the years. I think if it was up to you, we would never have taken a risk. Not a single one. It would have been bland every day. But there is a balance. Right. And with that balance comes the risk of stepping out in faith and believing God with this ministry and that school down the street. None of that would have happened without a risk. And yet the safety net of your heart's desires allowed for it to happen here. Instead of... in the Middle East. <laughs> I think wherever you are in this whole journey, number four is for you. There is more to experience. There is more to understand. Don't peek. Don't think you've arrived. There is more to enjoy in your life and marriage, certainly with Jesus Christ and with each other. More to experience. More to understand more to enjoy. I have one more thought, but you have to turn to Mark 10 to find it. Turn to Mark 10 with me, and, and uh, I, I couldn't be happier about asking you to turn there because it sets up the holy week that is before us. Mark 11 is all about 
the triumphal entry. It's all about Palm Sunday. We'll be there in a week. I hope you'll be here with us. Invite some friends. Join us for church. If you've been watching online, it would be a great time to come back. We're doing it safe. It's safer for you to be here than it is at Target. Come on, church. Come back for for church. Come back for Palm Sunday. And and Mark 10, I, I could not recommend it. I couldn't recommend it enough. It, it, it actually begins with a 12-verse discussion about marriage and divorce. You might need to read that. I'd encourage you to read it. If you're thinking about having kids or you have kids or you have grandkids, verses 13 through 16 talk about the things that we learn about Jesus and the kingdom through our kids. Wealth is brought up in verse 17. And not allowing that to become your master or your Lord. I could not recommend it higher where your marriage is concerned. And then he begins to wrap things up. About halfway through Mark chapter 10 and verse 29, he says this. Look what he says. Mark 10, 29. And Jesus answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake are the Gospels, who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses, and brothers, and sisters, mothers, and children, and lands, with persecutions, and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last. And the last will be first. So we circle back and we end where we started with a picture of servanthood. That the last will be first. As Jesus girds himself with a towel and shows to every husband who's here how he's to love and minister to his wife. To wash her in the water of the word of God. For wives to not feel in any way demeaned or Look down upon when you have that heart of godly service and submission. But there's something on the list that stood out to me that I've never seen before. I've never heard it preached on. I never studied it in seminary. This gal sitting right here got me through three masters and two doctorates. I've never seen anything like this before. But if you look at the list and you have a good study Bible, you'll note that actually something on the list doesn't belong. It's omitted from the original manuscripts. Look at it with me again. There isn't anyone who's ever left a house. I had friends here last night that are in the midst of selling their house right now. Maybe you've experienced that. They've left their house. Maybe you've had to say goodbye to a brother or to a sister, to a father, to a mother, or a wife. Notice that, or a wife. Notice or wife has a little number next to it if you have a study Bible. Has a little asterisk next to it. In other words, it's omitted from the list in the original manuscript. You might leave a house. You might leave a mom. You might leave a brother. Don't leave your wife. And the reason I think that's correct and proper for me to preach on is when you get to the second list of all that you inherit because of what you've left, you don't get more wives in the second list. Sorry, Mormons. 
polygamy isn't God's plan. Sorry, Muslims. There aren't 70 virgins. You don't get more wives. So love the one you're with. Hang in there. Stay in there. Fill this in. Fill this in. The missing ingredient in Mark 10, the omission, displays a giant priority of lasting commitment. Don't bail on this thing, you guys. Hang in there. And if you've messed up and you're sitting here with a heart filled of regret, God is gracious. And as much as He hates divorce, His love for you is greater than His hatred for divorce. Trust Him in moving forward. Put Him first in your life. Lewis says, the great thing to remember is although our feelings come and go, His love for us does not. It's not wearied by our sins or our indifference and therefore is relentless in its determination that we shall be cured of those sins at whatever cost to us and at whatever cost to Him. Wow, if we could just meditate on that. as we head into this Easter season. But the number one goal of marriage, number one, you guys, is making Jesus the most important thing. Would you pray? Close our series. Lord, as we come before you this morning, we thank you that you do have plans, and they're good plans, plans to bless us and to give us a future and a hope. May we rest in that. May we find hope and joy and peace that you know what your plans are, and they are good plans. And Lord, I pray that we would determine in our hearts to seek those plans, to run after them with everything that is in us to look to you for the big and the small, to say yes to your will in our lives. We thank you, Lord, that you promise blessings for our obedience for all eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's stand, church. Come on, let's sing it together. Let's proclaim it.